Welcome to Midnight's LEO, a podcast seeking to help law enforcement officers and those who love them experience a more abundant life. I'll be your host, Chaplain Lou Florio. Once again, welcome back to Midnight's LEO. Unfortunately, due to some health issues and work conflicts, I had to put this project on the back burner for a time, but hopefully I'm back at it. I've got a number of folks willing to interview with me, and I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. And I'll continue to try to create original content, both short scriptural meditations and longer pieces on spiritual health and general wellness as I'm able. I'm also going to try to share recordings from presentations as well, and today is one of those days. Immediately following this introduction, I'll be sharing a class given at the Hanover County Sheriff's Office for their chaplains program, with their permission. Yet it's not just for chaplains. I unpack the idea of trauma a bit, but also the issue of secondary trauma that can impact people's sleep, create other health issues, or even damage relationships over time. Anyone in a helping profession, whether in law enforcement or some other first responders, pastors or chaplains, or in the medical field, basically anyone that cares for others can benefit. Knowing the symptoms and responding early on often helps us or those we're trying to help get through things and heal more quickly with less difficulty. So I think you'll find this a helpful discussion. I've edited out details of a few concrete examples given during the live presentation for the sake of the privacy of others, as well as an initial first-hand case study involving someone who had behaviors basically similar to a stalker. We join the class as I compare our response to such personified threats with our response to health issues. We're going to go ahead and get started now. Um, Again, as I was mentioning earlier, um, this is something we specifically asked uh, Pastor Lou uh, to do for us. Uh, As many of you guys know, Pastor Lou is is designated as our our, uh, point of contact for training for our chaplains program. So he's really immersed in a lot of some of the most updated materials uh, that are uh, available. And so he does a lot of great research to, uh, to present to you guys some resources that are really applicable to uh, not only the work we do as chaplains, but uh, I think as pastors. Um, in fact, some of the things that I saw in this PowerPoint uh, are things that are going to be really applicable with what we do in law enforcement. Because, you know, there's, there's a very similar road between law enforcement and, and, and chaplaincies and the work we do as, and, as ministers and so forth. Um, so if you're tired, if you're feeling emotionally exhausted, uh, these are some great practices to kind of help you through those days. Um, but with that, uh, Pastor Lou, I will turn it over to you. All right. So it's good to be with you all again. Um, For those that don't know me yet, just as a reminder, I did serve as a law enforcement officer for six years in Alexandria. I uh, served as a hospice and hospital chaplain. I continue to train chaplains up there in Fredericksburg. I um, had a lot of experience in in, um, law enforcement chaplains through the International Conference of Police Chaplains. I have an MS in criminal justice along with my MDiv. Uh, focused a lot on delinquency issues, but that touches upon our topic today. But I think on a personal level, this topic's super important to me, chaplain self-care. And as Captain Sullivan said, it could be uh, patrolman self-care, it could be teacher self-care. It it's very much covers a big umbrella of vocations when you're in, in the helping industry or vocation. Um, I think personally it's important to me as someone that came from a, a troubled home, a background with, uh, d- with uh, not domestic violence, but mental health issues that sometimes could turn violent, with alcoholism in the family, 
that kind of thing. I had to learn some self-care to get out of that system. Uh, as a cancer survivor, with, uh, with, got diagnosed in 2016 with a very aggressive form of melanoma, needed surgery immediately. How do I stay healthy? Well, my doctors keep talking to me about self-care and building my resilience because my resiliency of health actually helps prevent cancer. That's very important. I, had, I was very lucky that I had pastoral care professors that said, hey, if you're going to refer, we talked about this last time, if you're going to refer someone to get mental health is, issues and help addressed, why aren't you willing to do it yourself? And so they recommended that it be good just to try to develop a relationship with a counselor before you have an issue, and maybe over time, if you need it or whatever, you can, you can learn. It can be, it's something in your toolkit for your own use. As helpers, though, a lot of times, just with lot, like officers, chaplains are going to be hesitant a lot of time to get help. Or they may misread it. There's a little bit of denial Oh, that's, I've heard about stuff like that, but that's not really what's going on in my life. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I was specifically asked to address what's out of the Volunteer Chaplain's Guide on page 40. If you've never read that, or if you don't have the Volunteer Chaplain's Guide, please let the folks know in the back. They'll be happy to provide you that document. One section of it is dedicated to chaplain self-care. Now, I'm going to touch upon all that stuff. I've been asked to stick to 30 minutes, so that's pretty quick for a big, broad project. But I'm going to try to add a little few things, anecdotes in here. And one of the first one seems unrelated, but I hope that the illustration helps. So what would be some things that I could possibly do? Raise your hand if you have an idea. Nobody has ideas. <laughs> Gary. Call another chaplain. Call another chaplain, consult with someone else. Run. <laughs> you could run, but that might, might inhibit my vocation, my calling, right? So, so that is a possibility running. Okay, I'll tell you what I did. First off, based on my training experience, I recognize this is a man in need of services. I'm a pastor. I should try to connect him to services. So I try to connect him to services. I offer him services. I, I do what I can. But... I'm not running over to catch him face to face because he's kind of fixated on me. I'm trying to use the resources. So you coordinate with other resources. The local ministry I told you about called MICA, they're on board. The community services board all knows about this situation. The other churches that are networked with me all know about this situation. Well, someone like this is probably going to interact with police. So who else do I want to talk to? The police. The police in Stafford, Spotsylvania, and Fredericksburg all know about him and the situation because he's floating between those three areas. And in Fredericksburg, we have a plan on how to try to intervene and interdict with a special officer that has some training to deal with folks running into mental health issues. The church, the preschool, all have to know what's going on. My wife needs to know what's going on. So basically what I'm saying is you cooperate with others, you're not alone, you go to appropriate resources, and I, I'm careful for my own safety, right? I'm aware of what's going on. But what if it wasn't a person? What if it was high blood pressure personified stalking you? What if it was a heart attack that was peeping around the corner looking at you? 
What if it was insomnia, which can affect your wellness over time and lead to an early death? What if it was any kind of health issue? You may not be as afraid or concerned as it was if it was a person, but that's probably a greater threat to any one of us. That's why this topic is important. We have to take this stuff seriously. We can't brush it aside, even as we're in a helping profession, right? Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to help, you're going to hurt. And if this is truly a marathon, you're going to die in the sprint and become a burden to your church and to your loved ones if you're able to survive. And that's why loving yourself is not selfish, when done properly, when it's not egocentric, when it's about, hey, I want to live as long as God wants me to live, and I want to fulfill my vocation, that is why self-care is important. And it doesn't matter if you're a police officer, a chaplain, or a nurse, or whatever. All right, we talked a little bit about trauma last time. Trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident, rape, or natural disaster. Your body, your mind, tries to make sense of it. Your mind is connected to your body. You can have symptoms. You might face some um, shock or denial. That's quite typical after trauma. So you may end up having some symptoms a week later, two weeks later, a month later. Sometimes you may have symptoms years later. We'll talk a little bit about that. We've talked a little bit about that before. Longer-term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even some physical symptoms like headaches or nausea. So you're having maybe stomach problems and you just dismiss it, but maybe you should consider what's going on in your life or what have you experienced recently. Sometimes small symptoms are related to your emotional and health and wellness. Particularly today, we're going to talk briefly about what's called compassion fatigue. They really found out a lot about this through hospitals with nurses and doctors and whatnot. Compassion fatigue is the cost of caring for others or for their emotional pain, resulting from the desire to help relieve the suffering of others. It can also be known as vicarious or secondary trauma, referencing the way that other people's trauma can become their own. The symptoms of compassion fatigue make it more difficult to provide care and to perform other duties. I don't know about you, but these last couple of years have been more tiring than some other years of ministry, right? There's been more in different needs, a lot of need to change. It has been tiring, stressful. I would, I'm not going to ask to raise hands, but I bet a lot of people had finances affected. I bet a lot of people had attendance affected. I bet I had uh, a lot of y'all had angry people in your congregations who could not agree on how to deal with the pandemic. And you're in the center. You're in that, you're in that storm, and that's going to impact you. At the same time, just in general, giving, giving, giving. If you think about a pitcher of water, and you're the pitcher of water, and you're pouring out, trying to help fill other people's cups, if you don't put stuff back in that pitcher, because you're not an endless pool of water, you're going to be empty. You're going to run into trouble. That's a little bit of compassion fatigue, giving, 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 but not self-care. 
even just hearing people's problems over and over and over and over again can impact your stress, mental health, wellness across the board. This is true. What, again, in a pretty much across helping industries. All right, so you can have these. Um, you may not be actively involved in the traumatic event, but for folks that went up to the Twin Towers at 9-11, talk to any of those chaplains, any of those folks up there, they all will say that impacted them and their health. That's a dramatic situation, but even the small things can add up. So just be aware of that. Symptoms of compassion fatigue. Feelings of helplessness and powerlessness in the face of others' suffering. You may not feel you have the energy to deal with these things anymore. You're, you're full. You can't deal with anymore. Reduced feelings of empathy and sensitivity. You'd like to think chaplains are full of love and help and everything, but you can get crusty around your edges too if you've been beaten up pretty good. You can get kind of cynical, and that's not healthy. People who are cynical die earlier based on research. Again, as we mentioned in the previous class, skepticism, where you're a healthy skeptic testing things, not just assuming everything's true, is different than cynicism, where you think everyone stinks, the world's against you, you can't trust anybody, this is always going to go bad. That type of thinking can affect your blood pressure and other things in your body. Feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by work demands. That's the pandemic in general, right? <laughs> Feeling detached, numb, and emotionally disconnected. Maybe you entered the job to help people, but now it doesn't energize you as much. Loss of interest in activities you used to enjoy. Increased anxiety, sadness, anger, and irritability. Difficulty concentrating and making decisions. I am someone, based on my family history, based on my police experience, that have, has dealt with post-traumatic stress symptoms. And one of the ways that I knew that I, I had learned about all this stuff, so I knew the symptoms. And so when I started having an issue, and I had a doctor's appointment with a neurologist for another issue that I have, something called essential tremor, the doctor goes, how's everything going with you? And it's a neurologist. It's not like a counselor. And I say, I think I might be having some post-traumatic stress symptoms. Doctor says, tell me more about that. And I tell him how I'm not sleeping well. I'm having nightmares. Uh, different cases I haven't thought of in 20 years are coming up in my head. Um, I'm having nightmares related to police work. All that kind of stuff. I learned my medicine might impact my memory and dreams. Let's look at your medicine. You're having sleep issues. There's a sleep specialist at VCU. Why don't you talk to them? Okay. Worked on sleep hygiene. Worked on some of the issues and memories and things like that. Within a month, I was back on. I was, I was performing better. I was sleeping throughout the night. I mean, it was quick. The, the teaching and understanding was that a lot of times when your sleep is disordered, your mind gets disordered. 
So insomnia, which is quite common, should not be ignored. There are means to deal with insomnia. And I will tell you, since some of this training and, and health assistance, I am sleeping better than I've slept in years. And I can sleep through an entire night. Not every night, but most nights. So, so keep that in mind. But one, one of the things I found, I was so tired that one day I tried to put my coffee pot in the fridge. And I said, that's not normal. <laughs> right? Uh, I was having trouble remember certain things and everything. So look for that stuff. And don't just dismiss it. Say, you know, I've heard of this before. Let me see what's going on. Right? Knowing the symptoms, actually, they found, whether it's a soldier or a police officer or anyone else, knowing the symptoms of post-traumatic stress and stress issues tends to help with a quicker outcome. Partly because the person probably gets help sooner. Partly because the person probably doesn't have the stigma. This is just your body trying to adjust to trauma. That's all it is. You're not deficient. You're not broken. But you can be helped to do better and be healthier. Difficulty sleeping and sleep disturbances like nightmares, mentioned that. Physical symptoms like headaches, nausea, tremors, upset stomach, and dizziness. Increased conflict in personal relationships. I remember when I was a policeman and I was going through um, something with a relationship I was in. It didn't work out and it was probably good it didn't. <laughs> um, and... I was under a lot of stress, and I noticed on a call, I didn't break any laws, but I was more aggressive than I thought was my norm. I went to my sergeant said, I've got this going on. It was really bothering me. He said, you need a few days off, and he worked magic to get me some time off, and that helped, right? you got to watch for these things. If you're not behaving in what you understand is your norm, pay attention. Why is that? What can I do to get back to a, a healthy norm? Neglect of your own self-care. Let's just say pastors are often guilty of this. Police officers often guilty of this. You need to love yourself. You need to take care of yourself. Your body is a gift from God, right? Your vocation is a calling from God. And, and, you, and you want to perform to the best of your ability, you do training. If you're an officer, you go to the range, you do your safety stuff. But you need to attend to this other emotional, mental, physical stuff if you want to perform well. Self-care needs to be performed. You may find yourself withdrawing and self-isolating. Now, some people get energized from time alone and quiet. I'm not talking about that. But if you're cutting off from people... That could be a sign that there's an issue. An increase in substance use or form of self-medication. I wish it wasn't so, but guess one of the biggest vocations for alcoholism? Pastors, police, firefighters, nurses, doctors, all that kind of stuff, right? We can use medication to avoid the real issues, to just try to make it through and get by, and it, it will fail you in time. All right, burnout, little different. Burnout is the most obvious reaction to long-term stress. In the, 
Hanover Guide, it says, burnout is emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion that occurs when several events in succession or combination impose a high degree of stress on an individual. Burnout could happen to the healthiest of chaplains. And I would add to officers, right? If you're giving, 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 and you're not attending to your needs, over time, you may reach a point where you're burned out and you're not able to give anymore. There are many officers striving for retirement and they will confess to other officers, I'm kind of feeling burnt out. I don't want to do anything. They're not the helpers they came into the vocation wanting to be. Same thing can happen to chaplains. We have to be aware of that. So in fighting burnout, one of the things that came out of the pandemic was an article from Harvard Review to talk about six lessons on fighting burnout from Boston's biggest hospital. And even though it's talking about a hospital, it's true in the church, it's true in industry, it's church, it's true in law enforcement. What can help with burnout is whether or not your work is rewarding. Do you find meaning in it? Do you find purpose in it? Or are you, are you just kind of wasting your time and doing meaningless stuff? Maybe you're not appreciated because of that or whatever. But rewarding work can help build resiliency, autonomy, having some level of control over what you do and don't do and how you do it. One of the biggest factors in police issues for mental health, one of the biggest stressors self-identified by law enforcement community is the administration because not every administration is healthy. Not every administration listens to their officers. Uh, there's even um, relatively related to fairness, transparency, informational justice. Um, in an organization, the organizational health can nurture burnout or it can nurture health. Fairness, letting people know what's going on. There's something in leadership called informational justice where, yes, you might be the supervisor, but letting those other folks that are under you know what's going on and why tends to help make teamwork work better. I've known some pastors that have kind of kept everything compartmentalized. They think it's all about privacy or something like that. But I'll tell you what we did when I was in hospice care. We met once a week, doctors, nurses, social workers, RNs, all those people that work with the patients, including the chaplains, meet together, share information and experiences with these patients so we could do better. Learning from one another. And what comes out of that is a better team, but also better response to those in need. So that is important. Reasonable workload. I don't know about in your tradition. I certainly know in uh, police work right now with the short staffing that a lot of folks are working more hours, volunteering for more things, right? Reasonable workload. In our tradition, it is quite common that the contracts or whatever agreement's been made for a pastor is you're going to work at least 50 hours a week and have one day off. 
that often is actually less than what you're going to do if you're not careful. So you need to be a good advocate for yourself. You need to have boundaries that are healthy, and if you have to, explain why. When I had cancer at Messiah, oh my goodness, they were awesome. Messiah Mechanicsville. Told them what was going on right away. Kept them, you know, pretty much up to speed on what's going on. But I clearly stated what I needed. And what I needed was to be left alone a little bit for a little while, right? And, and they respected that boundary. And that's a sign of love. They stepped up to the plate and did everything that they needed to do to stay healthy and keep working. Sense of community. That's super important. Relationships are healing. Healthy relationships are healing. Sense of community can help avoid burnout. When we come here, I hope when we gather together and we're sharing stories and talking about different things, sharing a meal as we're about to do, I hope when you leave this store, you feel like you're part of a community. You feel like someone heard you. You feel like someone respected you. You feel someone befriended you, if not loved you. There's a power to community and relationship that should not be underestimated. Consistent values. Are the values, goals, and actions in sync with that organization? Because if they're not, that can cause some moral, ethical discomfort in your own life that can present itself in symptoms. Crisis always creates stress. A little bit of the slide got cut off. I was just quoting a quote from that same article. Crisis always creates stress. If you're... When I was at Virginia Military Institute and I came home, there was a crisis at my home where we had to call an ambulance. I was like, ah, no big deal. But as an adult, looking back, I was like, that really impacted me. And I can even identify how it impacted me back at school. Don't minimize your own interaction with stress. So that's where I was like talking about earlier. If you're exposed to something that's traumatic, even though you feel you're coping with it okay, that could be a great time to be proactive and talk to someone. I'm not having symptoms, but I don't want to have symptoms, so hey, let's have coffee and I want to talk about it or make a, 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 you know, some type of appointment with somebody. Another thing, as we've heard before, stress is cumulative. Trauma, we said last time, for talking about post-traumatic stress for police, trauma is cumulative. Stress is cumulative. We are in a, a very stressful profession, whether an officer or a chaplain, very stressful. And we have to be aware of how stress can, can not only impact us, but shorten our lives if we don't respond in healthy ways. Self-care is how you do that. All right. It's got something with, is this an Apple product or something maybe? I don't know, it's kind of, kind of screwing up my slides. Listen to your body and you won't have to hear it scream. That's, that's a, a phrase you'll see all over the internet with wellness thing. I don't know who uh, started that. But listen to your body. If you're having symptoms, check them out, right? I have been told for years that with all my Irish skin, I'm an Irish-Italian and other things, I'm a mutt, 
um, Irish and Italian skin. I better get my skin checked. I better get my skin checked. So I made sure I went and checked every year. From one year to the next, in 2016, I was stage two cancer from a little mole that started bleeding. I saw the blood and I went and they said that probably saved your life. You need to pay attention to the little things, emotionally as well as physically, right? You have to do that. Self-help techniques, some are listed in the, in the guide, but also we want to add a little extra to it. Don't push your thoughts and memories of the event away. Talk about them. That's what we just mentioned a moment ago. Recognize that memories can be re-triggered over time. So, for example, when I mentioned that I, I got some post-traumatic stress assistance, during all those riots, right, that was going on, there was some in Fredericksburg, and... I had friends still working in Alexandria that I care about. And um, I was told because of some immunity issues at that point in the pandemic, they said, for you, super bad if you get sick. You should not even leave your house. They didn't even know what to do, right? So how can I help the police then? Well, I get creative. And I'm... Um, um, emailing folks and I'm calling folks and I end up video conferencing with folks. At the same time though, because I cared about people, because I had past trauma, because I had different issues that weren't fully resolved, never will fully be resolved because of what I experienced. Some of the things that were going on around triggered memories and uh, nightmares and remembrances of things I thought I'd dealt with. Which leads to the next thing. You might have dealt with something and need to deal with it again later. Why suffer if you don't have to? Why not restore yourself to working a you know, like you should, you know, maybe not 100%, but very effectively? Why not do that? There was one student that talked about before my time, but they told me this. He said he was a former Marine. And when talking about dealing with emotional issues, he said, treat the issue like an ambush. I don't know if you all have been soldiers. I was. And what they train you to do is if you're ambushed, you run into the ambush. Run through the ambush. You're counterintuitive. Hunk down, hunker down, hide. But no, you're still in the ambush field of fire. You need to run through the ambush, right? You need to not ignore it. You need to direct your attention that way. Run through it. Same with emotional issues, mental health issues. Treat it like an ambush. Be aggressive and you'll have less problems. Don't feel embarrassed about a repetitious need to talk to people. There's plenty of folks that you can do so confidentially. Spiritual director, Richmond Hill, for an example, up on Church Hill in Richmond. It's a retreat center. I think they have spiritual directors trained that can help anyone, laity or ordained, and help guide them with a lens of faith, and they will do it for free. You can donate to Churchill, but you don't have to. I would commend that to you. little different than a counselor because the focus is faith, right? Hearing God, what's, where's God in this situation? A counselor certainly can help. Recognize, though, that right now, post-pandemic, there's a shortage of counseling services, and often it can take up to two months to get to see that person. 
And a lot of folks have heard about echoing business, right? Coaching. Coaching's good for performing better or accomplishing a goal. Coaching is great for that, but they may not be as good for the emotional and other issues. That's why I want you to know that you can do more than one, right? You don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. You can do more than one. Keep your life in balance. Faith, family, and friends, those are the big three. When I was a hospice chaplain, I'd say, what's helping you get through this? What's helping you face death? Faith, family, friends. Keep those relationships in order. Yes, your church is going to demand things of you, but keep that in order. Um, Try to keep in touch with and maintain friendships out of the congregation. Yes, we talk in familial language. But it's kind of like in your home. You're the parent. Do you talk to your kids about the rough day you had? Do you talk to your kids about the mental and emotional stress you have? Do you expect your kids to be your parent? If you do, that's a, that's a red flag for unhealth. <laughs> so why would you go to folks in your congregation? Why would you think that they're the best ones when they're part of that system that may be giving you stress? Maintain friendships outside the system. That was one of the best lessons I learned as a police officer. My life had gotten centered on policing. All my friends were, were police. All my things that I did were police-related. It was not healthy enough. And it skewed my view of things. Someone with a fresh perspective outside of that system can actually be more helpful to you and and let you know of ideas of what's right, wrong, and where you should go. They're a good resource. Diet, sleep, exercise. Have you seen your doctors lately? Prioritize that. Make that one of your priorities. Keep on those schedules. Balance your work with rest. Continuing education is a way of rest and, and, and nourishment and refreshment. Vacations, sabbaticals, if you get them, use them. Don't keep telling yourself, I can't go on vacation because. There's always going to be a because. And if you're away and someone dies, try to get your congregation to understand There's other pastors that could help until I return. For my own family's safety and health and wellness, right? Try to arrange these things. Make those the boundaries that you have put up before you need them, and they'll be helpful because it kind of becomes the expectation of the group. Avoid new major projects in life. Learn to say no. A lot of times I'll hear people pushing about the need to, you know, Jesus did this and Jesus did that. Well, Jesus also delayed responding to certain people. Jesus also said, these crowds are getting a little tiring. I'm going up in the mountain and praying. If Jesus can say no, why do we not pay attention to that? It's okay to say no. You can try to work out some other things, though, as a, as a human being. Not We're not Jesus. As a human thing, to have other people help cover, respond to, meet that need, right? Keep familiar routines with family. Uh, keep you know familiar surroundings, comforting places. Routines help a lot. Bedtime, going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, trying to eat at the same time. Routines help our body process and deal with stress. 
mindfulness is a form of, uh, it's related to meditation, meditation itself. But mindfulness can be as simple as going for, a, you, say for example, what happens is when you have trauma or you're stuck with some issue of stress, your mind can do what's called rumination. Rumination, you, compare, you can compare it to being on a hamster wheel. And all you're thinking of is that one problem or that one person and you're thinking about, thinking about, and it keeps coming back. Can't, mindfulness can be as simple as going for a walk, intentionally trying to listen to the wind and the birds, trying to notice what the sound is under your feet as you're going for the walk, trying to focus on the wind and recognizing what's happening around you intentionally. And because you focused your mind on that, it's taken its attention off of that issue and it starts focusing on that. And then about 30, 40 minutes after that walk, you realize, I feel better. And you're not stuck. Meditation can do the same thing. There's, there's religious-based chants. You don't have to go Buddhist. You don't have to, you don't have to go in a, a religion, although you may learn from some of their practice. You don't have to go in that direction if you're not that person. But there are different forms of chants and other things that are part of Christian tradition that you might integrate. Um, stress reduction techniques in general. Just learn about them and use them. It can be as simple as getting back to nature. Being out in nature has been shown to help a person's brain, Amen. right? So consider those things. Final points, because of course I went over. Congregations tend to mirror the leadership. Organizations tend to, again, it crosses, right? Organizations tend to mirror the leadership. If the leadership is healthier, it tends to make the congregation healthier. There's no 100% though, because sometimes things are so bad, right, that you just, it, it's not, you cannot change it. But congregations, yes, they need your strong and non-anxious and creative presence, but they don't need you unhealthy or sick. Where you're contributing, unwittingly perhaps, to the system that is unhealthy and you're making it worse rather than better. It is similar to something with alcoholics where you focus on the issue, and you start trying to just keep the peace and try to just respond to that person, you forget everything else in your life, and the next thing you know, you're in that addicted person's circle, and your, your life becomes disordered. That can happen in churches. And you don't need alcohol. You just need a person. And you play into their unhealthy view. Always consider resiliency factors and risk factors. Resiliency factors, taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep, having the right friends, all that good stuff we just talked about versus risk factors. Family history, uh, different things that have been going on at work lately. Maybe what you've done to try to deal with stress isn't the best way to deal with stress. Those risk factors, you've got to consider it. You want to keep what's out of balance. Recognizing those things might help you deal with your issue faster and practice makes perfect in self-care, too. We always hear practice makes perfect. If, say, for example, I am not the lean, mean preaching machine I'd like to be, all right? I, I love sweets, and I, I shouldn't always eat them. This time of year, it's really a challenge. I've tried to lose weight, but I kind of go up and down. Well, I can beat myself up over that, or I can just get up and try again, right? 
Practice makes perfect. And even though I still struggle with my weight, I am happy to say that I am 20 pounds less than I was. So that's something. So just keep trying. Don't give up. That's an important thing. All right, so there's a few references that helped with this presentation that are going to be listed for you. Additional references for this particular episode may be found in the podcast description. If you have any additional questions, please contact the producer of this podcast.